Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. You can have all the greatest ideas in the world and you can have all the investments, all the growth and everything else. But if the cash flow is not there to sort of substantiate this, then everything arguably falls apart as a house of cards. This is Property Investory where we talk to successful property investors to find out more about their stories, mindset and strategies. I'm Tyron Shump and in this episode, we're keeping the conversation going with Manzul Khan, property investor and principal of Kashab Chartered Accountant. You'll pick up why the bucket list is a fallacy and how you can implement the compounding effect to your advantage rather than watch the house of cards fall apart. Also, before we delve into this episode, go over to propertyinveststory.com and subscribe to receive your free property investor case studies where you'll learn how to generate passive income from your properties. Go there now to sign up for free. In 2005, when Khan was starting out and creating his smarter goals, there weren't many resources such as podcasts, property magazines and buyer's agents to guide him. So in 2005, when I sort of sat down and created my goal saying that, well, in five years time, that's what I would like to achieve. I remember that I sat down and I said, how? I actually have got no idea how to achieve that goal. I don't know how to achieve that goal. So I said to myself that, well, isn't it quite simple? If I don't know how to achieve that goal, it's a matter of learning how to achieve that goal. So what I did is that I went into the bookshop and I said, well, I want to read every single book that I can every single book that I can in terms of the money management, the wealth creation, the risk mitigation, the property investment. I want to read everything, 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 everything I can. And I started reading with a couple of books. I read with a couple, two or three or four, and I said, you know what? I know exactly what to do. I know what to do. This is what I'm going to do. Brilliant. I've got it. I've got it. everything sorted. And then I sort of read a few other books out of curiosity, and I said, bugger, now I'm confused. I look back and I sort of say that, well, these are all pretty successful on their own right, but they all seem to be doing it in a different way, right? So I, I named a couple of authors with a lot of regards and respect for me. So I read into someone like Sir Jan Somers. I read into someone like Sir Margaret Lomas. I read into someone someone like Sir Steve McKnight and Robert Kiyosaki and Peter Rispan and, and the list goes on, right? And and I read all of them and I said that, hang on, each person seems to be doing it in a little bit different way. So I've got someone who's sort of saying more in terms of uh, the renovation and, 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 and sort of selling the property through the renovation. I've got someone who's sort of saying it's all about the cash flow. Cash flow, cash flow, cash flow is what we are after. I've got someone who's sort of saying 20 must ask question. I've got someone who's sort of saying that, well, you know, it's 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 about uh, your development and you make your profit through your development. So I hear all of those and, and then become confusing. 
And then what they've realized over a period of time, if I may, is that everyone's journey is their own individual journey. So while all of those people are very successful on their own way, you as an investor, you need to find your journey along the way. You need to see what business strategy which resonates with your circumstances and works. And in my circumstances, it was quite simple. It was Jan Sommers that I looked into Jan Sommers, and Jan Sommers basically says that, well, is it really such a difficult science, property investment? To me, in, in, in a sort of a summary manner, uh, is that it's all about buying as many properties as one can, as early as you can, hold on to it forever, provided that your cash flow is fine. And I said, well, that's simple. I can follow that. There is a whole lot of logic behind it. As many properties as you can buy, as early as you can buy. So, what does this mean and how did he implement this through his learning? It means that it's utilizing the compounding effect. It's utilizing the time and the, and the leverage over a period of time. Hold on to it forever. Why do we hold on to it forever? Because what it does, it saves you the selling cost, it saves you the repurchase cost, it saves you the capital gain tax along the way, it saves you all of those costs. However, the fundamental comes back is as long as the cash flow is right. So cash is the king, cash is the king, cash is the king. You can have all the greatest ideas in the world and you can have all the investments, all the growth and everything else, but if the cash flow is not there to sort of substantiate this, then everything arguably falls apart as a house of cards. Yeah. So that's the very simple philosophy that I worked. I worked with as much that I could buy as long as the cash flow that I could manage. I'm a big fan of growth, but at the same time, I'm a big fan of manufacturing the cash flow and arguably the growth at the same time. I'm a big fan of trying to buy something where on the existing numbers, it's reasonably good enough at a bare minimum, if not ideally even better, but it has some twist. And what that means is that whether you can subdivide, build something, whether it's a granny flat, whether it's a dual occupancy, somehow you can increase the cash flow along the way. So it's the books that are learned along the way and the books that have taken the lesson. And then you go into a whole lot of a mindset books. Someone like, say, Napoleon Hill, as an example, the millionaire mindset. It speaks quite a bit about the mindset. And then when it came in, after 2010 or so, a whole lot of podcast, a whole lot of property magazine, a whole lot of forum. I remember that I was a big, big fan of Soft Forum until it's sort of been closed away at a particular point of time. So it's the self-learning, if I may. One particular book which Khan recommends investors read gave him the confidence to kickstart his property investing journey. But the richest man in Babylon, yeah? Now, this is a book which was being written back in the uh, 30s, 1930s, and, and, and it's a book which is still publishing and republished and republished. And, and my recommendation of The Richest Man in Babylon is that don't read it once, read it a number of times. I remember the first time when I read The Richest Man of Babylon, I sort of say that, well, what's, what's such a big fuss about this particular book? It's all common sense. The book sort of says that, well, you earn about $100, and you save about one-third of it, you have a little bit of fun, you spend your money, but you only do that with a two-third of the money. You earn your $100, one-third of it goes into a savings account as if you never earned. 
you leave with a third of your fundamental, um, the income side of it. And I remember that I wrote some of the sort of the simple strategy and I said, oh, that's common sense. What's the big deal about it? I read it. Then I read it for the second time and I said, ah, I get it now. I think I really understand. And I read it for the third time and I said, I really, really, really understand. And I found that this is a book that every time that I'm reading that book, I'm in one shape or form, I'm self-discovering myself. And self-discovering in terms of the wisdom in the very simplicity of the common sense knowledge and the common sense sort of a view. So that's a book that I would strongly recommend. The English is not necessarily the uh, friendliest because it's the old English, the Shakespeare in English, but it's fantastic. Uh, Napoleon Hill's, uh, a couple of his sort of mindset books are very, very good. Jan Summers, those two books that I would strongly recommend that we do. And, and all the rest of the authors that I said, they are all married to us in their own way. Taking a third of your income to save towards investing is something that has worked for him and he endorses for other property investors. It's all about delayed gratification. It's principle, right? And the principle is is that when you have a 10 grand pay rise, don't increase your life standard expenses in a way where that 10 grand gets absorbed with the life standard. So if your salary was, say, 100000 and salary has now gone up to 110000 as if your salary is still 100000 and divert that 10000 to go into the uh, your sort of a savings account. And, and, and you know what? You would look back and you would say, well, I don't even fill it. And before you know, the savings are the bills. Might everyone have to have a little bit of a delayed gratification at one point of time? Back in uh, 1999, when I sort of bought that very first property, I saved about 24000 for about two years of my employment income at that stage. And and my income was very, very, very nominal at that stage. My saving was extraordinary at that stage. But what that delayed gratification has provided is an enormous opportunity over a period of time. So I'm a big fan of saying that, yes, you need to save a bit, but you need to have a little bit of fun along the way as well. It's about It's about accountability of everything that you do. It's not all about all work and no fun because that makes it a very dumb and sort of not sort of exciting sort of time. So you need to have a little bit of fun along the way, but I think you need to save a little bit along the way. You need to have very specific goals in your mind that that is what I want to do in about five years' time, bring it back to about one year time, and then sort of say, for me to do this, what do I need to do? The best advice Khan has ever received is to give everything you want to do a solid attempt and trust your gut instinct. One of the advice that I received is that uh, the bucket bucket list by itself is a fallacy. So what that so what that basically means is that don't have a bucket list. Go and do it. Go and do it. Life is an adventure, and go and absolutely celebrate every single day. Whatever you wish to do it, give it a strong go. Yes, it doesn't mean that you give it a strong go by sort of in a negligent manner. You do your due diligence. You do all of your analysis and calculation as much as you can. But at the end, go with your sixth sense. If the sixth sense sort of says that, oh, it sounds too good to be true, stay out of it. If the sixth sense sort of says, you know what, I think that there is there is some prospect to it, give it a go. After all the analysis as such, Knowing that there is nothing ever being ever being absolutely guaranteed in life, knowing that some of the things may not work out that well over a period of time, but always see the life 
as if the glass is always half filled. And why is it half filled is important is that the successful people is all success in their mind. They see there is no such thing as failure. They see that that is a learning experience. They see that as a cost of future success. And successful people never give up. They say that the concept of giving up is in your mind. You might not have won the battle, but as long as in your mind you are still into the battle, means that the battle hasn't been lost. As long as you have a little bit of fun along the way, go for your passion, give it a strong go, do your due diligence, you would look back and you would say, wow, life has been fulfilling. Coming up after the break, we'll delve into Khan's property investing strategy as an investor. I suppose uh, you need to consider your property as a as a more of a business entity, as a more of a in your mind. It's a it's it's a, it's not a passive you buy and you forget about it. What you need to consider when looking at both micro and macro drivers in your potential property ventures. You still need to look through the bigger pictures, such as your exit plan, your structure your tax minimization, your diversification, your buffer. And that's next. I'm Tyan Shum and you're listening to Property Investory. Are you looking at buying or investing in property? Like what are the property hotspots or how do I start my portfolio? Clever ways to renovate and how to make an extra $50,000? Whether you're a new or experienced investor, learn from the experts at the Property Buy Expo in Brisbane on the 26th to 27th of May. Use the promo code PI for a free two-day pass valued at $50. For tickets and more information, visit the website at propertybuyexpo.com.au. Now back to the show. Although as an accountant, he did not qualify to provide financial advice, Khan shares some elements of his personal strategy which is used in his own portfolio. Uh, I suppose the comment which I want to make is that uh, we are not financial planner, financial advisors. So we don't provide financial advice. We can't provide financial advice. We as an accountant, our role is to provide the positive and negative of our circumstances, more factual. Yeah? So I can share some of the experience of, of from my own personal point of view, but more of a factual. So I suppose uh, it, you need to consider your property as a as a more of a business entity, as a more of a in your mind. It's a it's it's a, it's not a passive you buy and you forget about it. Uh, yes, you buy and you forget about it, but you still sort of keep track of it to some extent. Yeah, when you buy it, your initial due diligence is very important. You need to have a very clear exit plan. So what that means is that if I'm buying a particular property at a particular point of time, why am I buying it? What's the purpose of that property? You need to ask that question. How does that fit in into the bigger purpose of my own goals and objectives in my life? So I look into a particular property and I ask that question to myself. Am I buying it because of its growth potential and future? Am I buying it purely because it provides me quite a bit of cash flow now? Am I buying it because this area will be rezoned in future and this Prices will just double and triple over a period of time, I'm hoping. Uh, Am I buying it because I can manufacture some of those growths? You need to very clearly have your own vision why you're buying it 
and see whether it falls in within that sort of prohibited sulfur. That's number one. Number two is that I look into the properties purely on the numbers on day one. And I sort of say that, well, I use a very simple analogy. I say that, well, inflation is about 2 to 3%, and that's the RBS target. And if the inflation is about 2 to 3%, 5% gross return means that it's sort of 2% real rate of return, as we call it. So to me, as all of has been as a rule of thumb, saying that I would prefer not to buy anything below 5% uh, gross return, as as a rental return of the investment property. And I I move from market to market where I get that 5%. So I look back back into 1999 to 2003 that I only purchased in New South Wales. The returns were anywhere up to say 7.5-8%. Anything higher than 5 is good, 7.5-8%. It reached into 2003 where the Sydney properties, you would struggle to get anything more than 275 or 3% return. And then I looked into it and it just doesn't make sense, right? The inflation is 2 to 3%. And if I'm buying a property where the rental return is about 3%, I'm really buying it for 0% of real return. It was around this time where he began looking into Brisbane, where the returns were about 75 to 8%. After buying some property in this market, he diversified into Melbourne around 2005 to 2008. Looked back into 2008 and Brisbane became a market where the return was hardly about 3, 3.5%. And I said, that doesn't make sense anymore, around that 3, 3.5%. I stopped buying it in Brisbane. I stopped buying it in Melbourne. And then I looked back into Sydney and Sydney was back in about 2010, simply because the market took a little bit of correction between 2003 to 2010. And the rents, as it is with inflation, it increased over a period of time. In 2010, Sydney, all of a sudden, has become more about 6.5-7% or so. I'm generalizing, but at a general term, it becomes 6.5-7%. And I said, wow, that sort of now makes sense. So I came back to Sydney. So I suppose the lesson learning from there on, from my own perspective, everyone's perspective, if I may, is that you still need to look through the return, the return of a particular investment and see whether that return sort of makes sense. And if the market is not in the right cycle, then you look into a different market. You do your diversification, you look into a different market. Over a period of time, the strategy, the diversification is important, that you need to have different properties in different markets. So always when you have a cycle, you've got some of your cycle, some of your property investments are increasing. Cash flow is important. Your structure is very, very important. Which name do I buy? Do I buy it on individual? Do I buy it on trust? Do I buy super fund? What are the positive? What are the negative? And you know, what are the ramifications in longer period of time? Am I buying it for negative gearing? Am I buying it more for positive cash flow? What are the tax benefits? Very important to know loud and clear in your mind. Your risk mitigation is very, very, very important. Again, not a financial advice, but in my view is that you need to have a certain level of buffer. Yeah. So things goes wrong. Your interest rate increases quite a bit. Your interest on the loan has now been converted into PNI. So you need to have a certain level of buffer over a period of time so that it can sustain yourself. In my personal circumstances, I also looked back into myself and I said, well, I need to make sure that I've got a certain level of insurances attached to it. I'm going into a bit of a mortgage. I'm sort of the, I suppose, the hunter of my family of the main income owner. So my, uh, in my case, in my circumstances, I said, well, income protection is perhaps something that I will consider. Life insurance, TPDs, all those sort of things that I would consider. 
To summarize, you need to put the macro levels of your potential investment into perspective. So I suppose the comment which I say in summary is that when you buy a particular property, while it is important that you need to look into micro level in terms of the pure cash flow of that property, you need to look through the uh, the basic things such as is it on the housing commission, do you have an easement at the back of the property, do you have a flooding issue, um, do you have lots of trees at the backyard. So all of those things, all those micro analysis, while it is very important, you still need to look through the bigger pictures such as your exit plan, your structure, your tax minimization, your diversification, your buffer. personal habit which Khan attributes to his success is constantly learning, even in the subconscious. I go home and uh, my working hours at times becomes a little bit, little bit daunting and um, I sort of go home and I listen to um, <clears throat> quite a bit of Channel 602 and Channel 602 on the Fox is the business channel and uh, this is the channel where you have many shows like Your Money, Your Call. So Margaret Lomas, as an example, Chris Gray, and and they've got some fantastic groups of people who sort of come in there all the time. Now, one of the things which I generally do is that when I sort of go home, I might be doing a couple of things on my laptop, uh, but I just leave some of those channels on the background. And and by leaving them on the background, they sort of run on their own. And before you know it, you just picked up a couple of things along the way. Yeah. So it's the it's the the ongoing sort of the podcast. And it's the ongoing sort of listening and it's the ongoing sort of learning over a period of time contributes quite a bit. Yeah, and I love that. I think um, it's great that you're able to absorb that information while you're doing something else because the mind has does wonders. I don't know what it is, but yeah, you're right. It's like if you went to sleep and you had a headset on with some subconscious <laughs> <laughs> information, I'm sure the brain is probably absorbing it while you're sleeping. <laughs> I think I think it's very often not to create any expectation in your mind, right? So I don't listen to any of those saying that, all right, I need to take away three or five points out of it. I sort of say that, well, it's it's all fun. I mean, that sort of runs on its own. And if I pick up a couple of points, I do. If I don't, I don't. And when you sort of take away some of those very stringent restrictions in your mind and let yourself enjoy and relax a bit, you actually get a lot more productivity for me. Sometimes, we look back on our lives and we wish we could give others some encouraging advice on how we can do better. So, if Khan could chat to his past self from 10 years ago, what advice would he give? I'd say to myself, enjoy your life, balancing off your life with work, family and having a little bit of fun and doing lots of activities, the balance, the balance, the balance. Always, always, always work on yourself, how you yourself can self-improve over a period of time. Don't worry too much about everyone else's race. Let everyone else run their own race. Just purely concentrate on yourself. How do you self-improve over a period of time? Be ambitious, but don't be gritty. Never cross that line where it sort of becomes gritty. Be ambitious. Adventure the life a little bit, and you would look back, and you would say, wow, that has been a journey. Due to a building compounding effect, he's excited about venturing into some small development and construction opportunities within the next five years. Look, I think it's the opportunity. It's the compounding effect because I've been investing over 19 years. I've seen some enormous level of sort of compounding effect over a period of time. And uh, what I did is that I myself personally haven't done a lot of constructions. I've bought a lot of properties with construction possibilities. And just recently, I've started some sort of a smaller sort of a construction, granny flat, a bit of subdivision and so forth. 
I've seen myself over a period of time that that's sort of manufacturing the growth. That's where I, I would probably truly see in some of my portfolio of of some of the potential that perhaps I can sort of utilize over time. Fantastic. And that is exciting. So you're looking more into more property development, you're saying? At, at a level which which I'm sort of comfortable in the sense that I've got a property as an example, one can build about 45 units. That to me is rather too large. Perhaps it's absolutely not to myself, but I've got a number of properties that I can build a little bit of granny flat and so forth. And, and assuming that there is a, a requirement, there is a need for the market, uh, those sort of things that I'll be interested. His why has evolved over the years as his goals have changed. However, now he's preparing for the future and making the most out of every opportunity. I suppose if you were to ask me why about, say, 18 years ago, because my father literally sort of forced me to buy it. So <laughs> I bought it because I wanted to be at home with my father and have the free food and the free accommodation. So that was the why about 18, 19 years ago. I bought it because he was the man and he's still yeah. the man. So that was 19 years ago. I look back in about, say, uh, say about say 14, 15 years ago. Why? At that stage, I think the why was more in terms of, wow, I've got all this potential, I can do all of those things. There was a bit of financial needs, there was a little bit of financial want, so to speak, at that stage. So all the sort of the things that I could do at that stage. I look back to myself now and I sort of say, why? The financing needs is sort of a little bit behind. So it's not so much as a need. I'm being very, very, very fortunate and gratified where I am. I think to me, the biggest why at the moment is that I want to look forward in about, say, 25, 30 years' time, and I want to look back into myself, and I want to say to myself that, you know what, in about 25, 30 years, I want to look back and I want to say that every single opportunity that is being provided to me along the way, whether it is by the creator, whether it is by myself, I have given it a go. Efficiency to me is very, very important. I started this whole podcast saying that I'm a big believer of no bucket list. So I don't want to have a bucket list. Anything which I wish to do, I want to give it a go. It doesn't mean anything silly or anything which is wrong. Anything which I wish to do, I want to give it a go so that in about say, 25 years, 30 years, I can look back into myself and I say, you know what? I've lived a decent life, uh, never to harm anyone, always followed the rule. But at the same time, I've given my best shot to, I suppose, build the best version of myself that I could possibly hope for. If I can achieve this, then then I would think that life has been okay. The best way to contact Khan to find out more about his accounting services is to check out the company website. Manchul Khan, my name, the from Cash Shop Proprietary Limited Chartered Accountant. Uh, so you would find us on the uh, internet Google search in our website. Our office number is 02-963-3511. You're most welcome to give us a call in our first meeting. We sit down with an obligation-free meeting and we don't worry about any of the charge. We sit down for a good one hour to understand where you are, what you need and, and how we can assist. And then you make a decision after that meeting. You're most welcome to give us a call. Thank you to Manzrul Khan, our guest on this episode of Property Investory. If you want to hear more about his journey, then visit our website at propertyinveststory.com. Simply type in the search bar Munzrul Khan and select that episode to learn more about his story. Also, if you haven't subscribed to receive your free property case studies that I only send out exclusively via email, then head over to propertyinveststory.com and subscribe. 
These real case studies are from experienced property investors where they share specific numbers of their portfolio, the strategies and much more. Simply visit propertyinveststory.com to receive your free case studies. Thanks for listening.